Hello, and welcome to RFID Insider, a show that discusses all things RFID and the technology's impact across all industries. I'm Suzanne Smiley. You can find past episodes at our website, RFIDinsider.com, and be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. In this episode, I'll be discussing mobile RFID readers with my co-host, Max Morgan of AtlasRFIDStore.com. Later in the episode, in segment two, I'll be talking with Jordan Seagraves from Turk about the company and about their UHF RFID mobile phone sled in particular. Let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. RFID Insider is presented by Atlas RFID Store, a leading provider in enterprise RFID technology. Start your project today at atlasrfidstore.com. All right. Hi, Max. Uh, It's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Great, Suze. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm glad that you can be here and talk to us a little about handheld RFID readers. Well, let's go ahead and get started then. Can you tell us about handheld RFID readers and kind of what the differences are between a few of the different types as well as between handheld and fixed readers? Yeah, absolutely. You know, handheld readers offer an option to give you increased mobility as compared to fixed readers. So in a scenario where a fixed reader might be mounted to a doorway with external antennas monitoring what goes in and out, using a handheld reader will give you an opportunity to walk around an entire space and capture all the tagged items within that space. So there's really no limit to, you know, the size room that you could be in capturing tag reads. Oh, awesome. Okay, so it gives you that added mobility that fixed readers can't. Yes, exactly. Okay, what about price comparison to fixed readers? What are the typical differences in that? Yeah, so the prices, they're all over the map, just like with fixed readers. You have more economical options that might be better for someone who's just getting started in RFID or is not really needing as much antenna gain, which some of the more expensive readers can provide. That antenna gain gives you an ability to read further, but not all applications are needing that. So you want to buy something that is going to cover the needs of your application, but not be overkill. And the prices reflect that. Okay, great. And I guess that kind of brings into the last point of usability. You definitely want to buy a handheld reader that has the features that you need, but like you were saying, not too many features. Do they vary pretty widely in handheld readers among the features available? Yeah, there are features that differ across various handheld readers. You know, in some cases, the handhelds will come with an integrated 2D barcode scanner. And what that allows you to do is read both barcodes and QR codes. So if you have an existing inventory system that is based on barcodes, you know, having an integrated barcode scanner in your new RFID reader can easily allow you to associate the old barcodes with the new RFID tag. And also another feature that is not so common but is useful in some cases is GPS. And so if you're needing to pinpoint the exact location of where a reader is being used, that could be a great option for you. I know there are kind of different handheld readers depending on using your phone, using your computer, that sort of thing. So talk to us about the differences, and these are kind of what I've heard in the industry, between a sled reader, a USB reader, and a smart handheld device, also known as a mobile computer. So kind of talk us through the price comparisons and kind of what those can do for you depending on what you have available and your usability. So the typical methods of connectivity with handheld readers are USB, Bluetooth, and integrated CPUs. With Bluetooth, you'll typically connect to a smartphone or tablet. USB cables also allow you to connect to a computer or tablet. 
whereas integrated CPU handhelds will actually require no further integration or connectivity. The reads will go directly into the onboard CPU device. If you're using USB to connect to your handheld, you'll be needing to be willing to move around with a tablet or laptop that is connected to the reader. The Bluetooth gives you an option to actually have the computing device in your pocket. So if you're in an application that is fairly rugged, and even an encased phone or device might be readily available, you'll also have that option to completely stow the device away to completely protect it. And you can rely on a more rugged handheld reader to kind of endure the harshness of the application without subjecting the device to the conditions. And then Wi-Fi is also an option if you do have a mobile computer, and that'll provide sort of similar advantages to what I outlined with Bluetooth. Okay, so a sled would be more along the lines of connecting to a mobile phone via Bluetooth and auxiliary, USB connected to your computer, and then the actual one with the CPU would be the smart handheld device where you have everything on your device that you can probably upload or export later. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And each offer their own advantages. They're all available and there's no one reason to select any of those over the other unless you have a specific reason for needing to export tag reads you know, via Bluetooth. USB cord, or just directly into the CPU. I'm sure that they differ in pricing as well. I'm thinking that, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe SLED readers and USB readers are more price comparison, like they're pretty close in price, but I think that those mobile computers, smart handheld devices are a little bit more expensive because of the CPU. Is that right? Yeah, that's generally true. It's not a hard rule, but yeah, when you're incorporating that computing device into the reader itself, it can increase the cost somewhat rather than having that be a separate purchase as it would be with the sled readers or readers that interface via auxiliary port. So mainly you would decide which one you want to choose based on connectivity options as far as getting the text and the reads back to where you want them and, and how you want them via Bluetooth, auxiliary, USB, you know, Wi-Fi, that sort of a thing. Right, exactly. Okay, so why would somebody need a handheld reader, maybe in addition to a fixed reader? So if you did have a fixed reader in use, can you talk about some applications that would use an additional handheld reader? I know you kind of talked about the big room, but I guess that would be kind of what you would see of, of how you'd be using that mobile reader. Yeah, sure. You know, if you're using a handheld reader in conjunction with a fixed reader, a lot of times people use choke points that they'll have tagged items flow through. And at those choke points, they'd implement a fixed reader. And so if you have an item that goes through one of those choke points, it's read by the fixed reader. So you know that it's in this general area beyond this specific choke point. But if you're actually wanting to know exactly where that item is, using a handheld reader can help you pinpoint the exact location within that zone. So instead of just saying that something's in one of six zones, you can go to that zone with the handheld reader and actually find where that item is specifically. So if you're looking to save time, the handheld aspect of that equation is just as important as the fixed aspect. Yeah, we've talked to people before in, in large aircraft hangars or stuff like that, where you, you really can't, you know, you have to do a zone by zone or a zonal coverage, and you can't really pinpoint exactly where everything is, but the handheld readers actually allow you to do that. Right, exactly. And using that Geiger counter function that is built into the demo software of some of those readers, while it's not really recommended to use in a final application, in terms of just having something to locate a device and give you input into where that device actually is based on the beeps, that's definitely a great option. I think they're also, and correct me if I'm wrong too, but they're also really good about you know, initially reading and writing tags. So if you want to add a tag to your tool, add a tag to your file tracking or whatever, 
you can sit down at a desktop with your mobile reader and your handheld reader and actually write tags pretty quickly, pretty fast because of the, the smaller area of coverage, wouldn't you say? Yeah, exactly. And you can turn down the antenna gain if you are finding that you're getting tag reads from tags that you're not wanting to alter. You can usually turn that down on the reader itself. And so, yeah, it gives you a great option to easily encode tags. And you can do it on the fly on the job site as well if needed. All right, great. So do you have any um, applications on the top of your head that use mobile readers as their assistant? So someone that they have fixed readers and they're using them maybe zonal or some type of coverage, but then they also have that handheld reader as a backup? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of companies who utilize trucks full of tools to go onto job sites, perform the job, and then come back to the headquarters will have a lot of assets on those trucks. You know, if they do choose to use RFID tags with those assets, utilizing a handheld reader to do scans of the contents of the truck can help you to get accurate audits and make sure that you haven't left anything on the site. Or if you have, you can locate where that item is. And so it's a great way to prevent item loss and save time in those sort of job site applications. Okay, great. Well, how easy is it to get started with an RFID, like a handheld RFID reader? I know that maybe fixed readers would have a little bit more to get started as far as plugging in antennas and getting everything set up. Can you walk us through the process of getting started with a handheld reader? I've made reference several times to demo software that typically comes with handheld readers. There's not one demo software that's included with all of them that's the same, but there are a lot of you know, similarities between each of them. One of those is the ability to see that you're reading a tag. And that's usually the first step in any application is making sure that the tag you're using is actually going to give you tag reads. Because if you're building a system on top of something that isn't providing you consistent and accurate data, that's just a non-starter. So getting up and running would typically look like using the demo software on the handheld reader to start capturing tag reads and testing out different tags in your application. So it's fairly simple to get up and running. Yeah, so you just need to like pretty much take it out of the box and get some tags and get the demo software running and, and honestly start. I, I know that fixed readers have a little bit more steps, but it seems like it's pretty easy to get one out of the box and just immediately start up kind of using RFID. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them will have a software that'll just let you see those tag reads. So if you do have the tags, you can go ahead and tag the asset that you'll ultimately be wanting to get data on and then test out getting tag rates with it in the different environments that you may be in, different distances, and just see which tag is working for you. So it's a great tool. Okay, great. And that could also help for, like you're saying, to find the tag that's perfect for your application. So, you know, having a mobile reader and you're not sure, oh, what tag should I be using? Should I be using, you know, this smart track tag, this alien tag or whatever? You can use the mobile reader to test it in your application environment and kind of get the best tag reads and then start going toward the fixed reader and then using your handheld as an assistant further down the road. Yeah, completely. And then the other side of that is once you do find the tag that's working best for you, you'll need to develop or purchase a full software on top of that because the demo softwares aren't designed to be used within your final applications. Even if some of the features of that demo software coincide with what you'll be needing, they're not designed for use like that. So definitely use it for testing purposes, but when it comes time to actually implement your system, you'll want to go ahead and develop something or purchase a total software solution. And that's probably the same with fixed readers as well, too. A lot of them come with demo softwares that are not really supposed to be used for an actual application. So that kind of is pretty similar. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. 
All right, what are some other things to keep in mind with handheld readers? You know, I don't know much about their read range or much about, you know, powering antenna ports. Talk to us a little bit about that. So the read range with handheld readers, you'll have to factor in several different things, such as what your environment is, what the antenna gain is that you're capable of emitting with your specific reader. And that'll be something that's listed on the spec sheet of any reader that you purchase. And then the tag you're using, the size of the tag, the angle at which you're trying to read the tag, there's a lot of testing involved. So looking at a spec sheet is helpful before making a purchase, but ultimately getting reliable data will require actually testing in your application with the tags you'll be using on the item that you're tagging. You know, in terms of the battery power as well, you'll be tied to using battery power. So you'll want to plan well when going on site to read tags. They're not like the fixed readers that are plugged directly into a DC power source or a power over Ethernet power source. So you'll be running on a finite amount of power. So ensuring that the handheld reader you select has an adequate amount of battery life for your application is very important. And then also ensuring that you charge the unit before each use will be incredibly important to succeeding uh, in getting tag reads on the field. Take note of battery life that's listed on the spec sheet. What about antenna ports? Um, the handheld readers usually just have that one integrated antenna, or are there other options as far as adding an additional antenna to handheld readers? Most of the time, you do not have that option, so that's something to factor in. But at the same time, antennas will typically represent a zone where you can read tags. But the nice thing about the handheld reader is there's really no zone that you're stuck to. So wherever multiple antennas could be, you're capable of walking throughout those zones and collecting tag reads at each of those places. Okay, so more your mobility, whereas like a long antenna cable and an antenna's capability. Right, exactly. One person with a handheld reader walking around an area can absolutely do the work of several external antennas. So it's, it kind of depends on if your application permits that. Okay, great. All right, well, before we leave, do you have anything else to talk to us about, about handheld readers? Any other tips that you've learned from working with RFID for so long? Yeah, I would just say always be sure to test with several tags whenever you purchase a handheld reader. You know, you may not get the desired results that you want off the bat with the tags that you have in hand, but cycling through some various tag options is always a great way to get started testing. And then uh, just making sure that you're selecting the right reader for your application. Take a look at what the reader offers. Is it the right demo software? Does it come with the correct API for you? And then uh, just make a purchase and get started testing. That's definitely the best way to get started. Okay, great. Well, Max, thank you so much for joining us today. Also, before you leave, I have to ask, what's your favorite thing about working with RFID? My favorite thing about working with RFID is probably getting to hear about all the unique applications that people are using RFID in. Such a growing industry. It's always changing. And so hearing about the ways that people are implementing it is definitely interesting to hear because we're kind of on the forefront of getting to learn about you know, each of the upcoming applications and, and what types of hardware and tags people are using for them. And then also just educating people who are interested in RFID but don't know much about it. I definitely get enjoyment out of speaking with them and, and helping them better understand what's out there. Okay, well, Max, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I hope you'll join us again on the podcast in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Suze. with Jordan Seagraves from Turk. Um, he is the product specialist of RFID there. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. 
Okay, so tell us a little bit about Turk and how you, Rocket, became part of the Turk family. I know it's a it's a new transition, sort of. So tell me about that a little bit. So Turk, we provide industrial automation equipment, everything from sensors to connectivity to the field bus technology side. Our relationship with Ugrocket goes back to, I believe, 2015. We were involved with them in kind of the development of their product. And then as of, I believe, April 2017, we acquired Ugrocket. And now we are, we just call it the Turk PD20 handheld. Okay, great. Yeah, that was my next question. I know that it was the Grokker, so now it's the PD20, is that correct? Correct. And there's many different forms of the PD20, all dependent on what region of the world the device is going to. But the base name is the PD20. Okay, great. And we've seen the Grokker, or now the PD20, for a few years now. But it's ease of use. It just never ceases to amaze me how easy it is to plug into your phone and just get reading and writing. Tell us about, since y'all were kind of working with the concept behind it, tell us about what the PD20 is for and what y'all had envisioned for this product. If you look at RFID handhelds throughout the market, they're all anywhere from three to seven to $10,000 devices. The PD20 is a very economical device. We list it at 500. It's a UHF RFID handheld, and it's set up to hook up to either an Android device or an Apple device and work across any platforms. Okay, awesome. And it just plugs in and it's so easy to use. Before we talk about actually using it, reading and writing, tell us about the Turk apps. It used to be Rocket apps. They're available on the App Store. What kind of functionalities can you have with those apps? So we have two apps that we offer. Uh, one is just the Turk RFID. That's the app that we usually demo and is often used in real applications. What that app can do is it can do multi-tag read. It can read and write to a tag, um, assign depending on what data location you're looking at on the tag, assign any information to any spot on the tag. The other app we have is the SendGrok by Turk. That is the app that is basically used to send whatever information you're obtaining to any other upper-level system within a company or a user interface. Okay, so definitely two distinct reasons to have these apps, two distinct uses. Is that correct? Correct. The Turk app is more on the spot for reading and writing. The Send app is used for sending data to another location. Yeah, and I've used the Turk app before, and it's so easy to get started, easy to sign up, and just a basic functionality of how to use it. Can you walk us through how we can get started reading and writing with the PD20? We can get it in our hands, we unpackage it. What are the next steps there? Absolutely. So first off, you need to download the app. You can get that from the Apple Store or on the Android devices, their store too. Once that's downloaded and the PD20 itself is charged, you plug in, open the app, and then there's a couple options. You can select multi-tag read or inventory. And that's really just searching the environment for the tag and it will recognize it. Once you can see it, you can really do whatever you want. Okay. And that's when you can, I think you can also associate pictures and names. That's when you can get started doing some of the more not really complex, but a little bit more difficult stuff than just the basic functionalities. You can use that to use those images and text to figure out what you're looking for, or what you already have in your database. Correct. And that's all dependent on the user and the application. If you want to associate images with the tag, you can either do customized programming. We have third-party app developers that can also do that. Okay, great. Well, I have a couple of questions from our listeners about the PD20. Do you mind answering a couple of these? Just a few sentences each so we can learn a bit more about it. Absolutely. Okay, so what are the different ways that tag reads can be exported from the PD20? There's three types. They can be sent via the HTT post. 
email or the clipboard. Currently, you can do this with the app I was talking about before, the Send Grok by Turk. If you don't use the Send Grok by Turk and you have a custom app built, those are the three ways that will also be done. Okay, great. Well, that's easy to get started doing. So how about setting the operating region for each PD-20? If you're in a, a specific operating region or a specific band in an operating region, how would you go about doing that? Recently, I know you Grok in the past sent out that privilege to the users. We now build those to order. If you're ordering a PD-20 and it's going to be in a North American unit, there's a PD-20 part number associated with North American units. And that goes throughout the globe. Okay. So you don't actually have to worry about that. It would all be taken care of for you when you bought the reader. Correct. Can multiple PD-20s be connected to the same online database? Absolutely. And that's done with either the HTT post, email, or clipboard again. Awesome. Okay. The next one is, how does the PD-20 affect the battery life of the device it's connected to? Very minuscule, if not at all. Now, the device itself has its own battery, the PD-20. So that's how it's powered. The phone does not power the PD-20 itself, the handheld. What will use up some battery life on your mobile device is the app. Any application running on any phone, whether it's in the background or whether it's live, is going to be using some of the battery on the phone. So while you're using the Turk app, that will be the only thing that affects the battery. Okay, great. Well, that's awesome. Especially if you're running low on battery, you don't really have to worry about it. I didn't even know that there was a battery in there. So that's cool to know. If you have the phone plugged into the PD-20, that PD-20 battery will continuously be running power. So that will actually hurt the battery of the PD-20 more than it will hurt the phone. So my suggestion and what we tell our customers is that when you're not using the PD-20 is to disconnect it from the mobile device. Okay, great. So basically when it's connected to the phone, the battery life starts to drain a little bit. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, so what is the proper way to hold the reader to get the best results? I know I've seen some people do it vertically or horizontally or, or trying to move it orientation-wise. Do you have a, a best use guide as to how to hold it in your hand to get the, the best reads? Yes. If you're holding the PD-20, like the handheld, the way the antenna is structured is that back of the PD-20 is going to have the best directional range. Now, we're speaking in terms of UHF. UHF isn't a strict bubble per se when it comes to the radio frequency waves that are being portrayed. So you still will get reads in front of the PD-20, to the side of the PD-20, to the top, to the bottom. But if you're looking for max distance, it would be the back of the PD-20 up towards the top, facing whatever direction you need. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to hold it a little bit differently now. <laughs> so what programming languages also do you have code for in the PD-20 SDK? The SDKs are designed either for Apple or Android devices. And we do offer several SDKs in different languages. Now, for Apple, we offer it in C or Swift. These are the two languages that are offered strictly for Apple development. Android, we do it in Java, Windows, C Sharp. And then we also have cross-platform SDKs. One is called Cordova, and that is for the iOS and Android development. And that's done via JavaScript. And then we have Xamarin, which is for iOS and Android, and that's C Sharp. Okay, so you actually have a lot more options than I would have thought. It's really nice for people wanting to develop. And that came through the development originally with you, Rocket, because they had a lot of customers with different requirements. So we obtained that knowledge base. Okay, awesome. So before we end our podcast for the day, do you have any tips also on using the PD-20 for anybody out there listening? Um, tips per se, no. I guess it's just important to know that 
if you're looking for a required read range on a tag, it's always important in any RFID application to be very considerate of the environment itself. Often I get customers calling me saying, how far will this tag read? And it's never that straightforward of an answer, right? The environment of the RFID application is just as much of a battle as the tag and like transceiver or handheld selection. So it's important always to keep that in consideration. Yeah, I mean, your environment plays such a key role in in how much read range you're going to get, as well as the tag, as well as the reader. So those three things can really tell you the best read range in the world with this specific environment with this tag and reader, and then another environment get horrible read ranges with the same tag and reader. So I definitely understand that. Jordan, I want to ask you a fun fact question before you leave. So I know you've been in the industry for a while, but what is the most interesting non-proprietary application of RFID you've seen? The most interesting application, I'll tell you how it works because I, I, I don't know I don't know if I can speak of it, but it was a theme park ride where RFID was used as a driver for an actual vehicle, a non-man vehicle. So the entire ride itself was triggered by tag placement on a track and that would trigger events. It would track the mobile device that was being moved. It would track speed. It was definitely the most advanced RFID application for any type of unmanned vehicle that I've ever seen. Yeah, an unmanned vehicle. That sounds extremely advanced to try to get speed and different sensors, that kind of equipment to be working on the ride at the same time. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it was a fun one. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jordan. Um, We appreciate you coming on the podcast today. We love learning about the PD20. We love hanging out with it, reading and writing tags. It's so easy to use. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can get you on the podcast again later on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on what was discussed in this episode, please check out RFIDinsider.com. For more information on all things RFID, please subscribe to the RFID Insider podcast and visit our website, www.blog.atlasrfidstore.com.